Good morning, Horizon. Pray with me as uh, we continue in worship. Lord God, thank you so much for this day and for this chance to be together as a church family. Lord, we just thank you for just how powerful you are and just how much you love us and how you want our lives to just reflect yours in so many ways. Lord, we pray that anything this morning that's of me would be quickly forgotten and that anything that's of you would stick to our hearts and change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are going to uh, kind of be continuing our series on advice to my younger self. And so what kind of what we've been talking about is if you were to visit your younger self, what is the main thing you want to tell yourself about a life of following Jesus? This is actually kind of a, a tough question for me because there's so many things that I would love to say to 20-year-old Ryan because he was an idiot. You know, there's a lot of things I wish I could have like really coached him on and helped him with. One, thing, one of the things that came to mind for me was Get ready for disappointment. <laughs> We're not going to get into this now, but I feel like young 20-year-old Ryan wasn't ready to face disappointment in life and needed to kind of know that disappointment does not mean that God's not good and that God does not have a plan and that God will get you through it. But that wasn't like an overarching kind of message that I think I needed. Uh, you know, the other thing I thought about is one of the things that's like a theme in all of my messages, which is community matters. And it's so good and real and powerful to have people to do life with. But again, I think that comes out in a lot of the things that we kind of talk about. Um, what I really needed, though, I was lucky enough to have someone say to me, and this is like really kind of guided so much of my life. So what I'm going to share with you today is really core to what I really like care about in life and what has really shaped who I am. And what this statement that I would say that I would make sure that 20-year-old Ryan heard and took in all over again was that live on purpose. What do I mean by live on purpose? Well, I'm going to kind of unpack that. But I think it's so easy for life to get reactionary, to live as a reaction to all the things that are happening to you into life and to not get to where you want to be. I had a mentor who at a young age said to me this, asked me this question, and I've talked about him a lot. He's been a real influence in my life. His name's Pat Goodman, and he posed this question when I was a young, young man. Who do you want to be when you're 50, and what are you doing today to become that person? Like, and there was a really, and now some of us are over 50 in this room, that might not be as applicable of a question. Make it 70, right? Like, who do you want to be 20 years from now? But here's a really important question that was asked to a young little 25-year-old Ryan at the time, was like, where are you going with your life? Who do you want to be? Like, set the bar, have a vision, have a goal, and then you know what? You're not going to accidentally just wake up and become that person when you're 50 years old. It's actually going to require some like, life intentionality to get on a path to start to be that person so that when you are 50, you are, just are that person. We aren't just going to make changes when we're 45 that are just going to transform our life. We make changes every day of our lives on the way to becoming who we want to become. And so this has kind of guided a lot of my thinking. You know, most of us don't set out to live unintentional lives. You know, we don't really want to be unintentional about our lives. It just kind of creeps up on us. It kind of happens. Most of us have a vague idea of what we want to do or what we want to be about, but we don't have like maybe a concrete plan or a concrete vision of where we want that to go. If I, you know, this is one, another question that Pat Goodman uh, asked me, like, or asked a group of us. I think there's a group of guys that were together at this church, and he said, if I were to offer you guys $10,000 to say, to come back with some kind of written document that showed you put any kind of thought into your retirement, he's like, I bet you at least, like, half to three quarters of you could come back with some kind of retirement sheet that said, I've put some level of thought into where I want to be when I'm retired. I have some level of plan on this. He's like, but what if I asked you the same question about, like, your core values of who you want to be? Like, do you have, if I offered you $10,000 right now to say, have you put any intentional thought? Do you have anything written down that you could bring back to me to say, yep, this is where I want my life to be. This is who I want to become. This is where I'm going. He's like, I bet you less than 1% of you in this room could say I have anything written down that has anything to do with where I want to be in my life. 
it's amazing how little intentionality we put into where we want to go. Guys, I'm just going to warn you right now. This is going to be a highly practical sermon. So if you're looking for like, so just get ready for that. This is like, because I really was really blessed to have someone pour very practically into me in this way. And I wanted to pass this along. Without intentional living, we slip into reactionary living. And what do I mean by that? Like, what does that look like? It means this. Like, so you're thinking of making a life change, right? Maybe you want to like get a new job. Maybe you want to like make some kind of transition in your finances. Maybe any kind of life change that you want to make. And you're kind of thinking about this. How does reactionary living start to get in? Well, you consistently daydream about that life change. If I had that job, if I had a different job, I, you know, life would be so much better. And so you kind of live in the imaginary kind of what life could be like if I asked that person out or if I took that job or if I did this thing. But what happens is we kind of get stuck in the daydream phase of what we want our lives to be like. You know, moving from the daydream to practical steps is really, really hard. And so what happens is things kind of happen. Daily interruptions happen, right? Urgency reigns. Phone calls come. Kids need A, B, and C. I've got to pay these bills. I've got to do this thing. Oh, yeah, I told that person I would do this thing. And so one day kind of slides by, and I didn't make any steps to transition from daydream to reality. And then also, you know, what is urgent continually drowns out what is important. And this happens in our lives all the time. What is urgent continually drowns out what is important in our lives. We let the the chaos of the day reign over the fact that we don't get to what maybe matters most in our lives. And daily distractions start to creep in here too. Social media and Netflix, by the time we get through all the urgency things, we're just exhausted. And who has the mental capacity to go on monster.com and look at jobs when I've done with with my kind of day, right? And this happens day one, and then it happens on day two. And then this happens on day three, and all of a sudden, day by day, time disappears and steps aren't taken. Is this relating to anybody other than me? Am I the only person who lets days just disappear on them, right? And all of a sudden, like, you get into the sense that weekly, so weeks start to go by, and you can get into a holding pattern of not making steps, because day by day turns into week by week, turns into, oh yeah, I was talking about doing that in May, and now it's July. I've done nothing. I've done nothing about this thing that I really care about making a change in. And weekly turns into seasonally, and we start to say this to ourselves, right? Maybe this just isn't the right season for a major change for me, because I'm just so busy right now. But a lot of times we're busy in the chaos of the thing that we want to transition out of, right? Like we're just drowned by the urgent. We don't set a goal to kind of make changes. And that can turn to yearly, and little by little, one season at a time, years get away from us, and nothing changes. And this just starts to happen in a lot of areas of our life. So what does a life of, pur- like, of purpose look like? You know, I think one of the best examples of someone who just knew what he was about is Paul in the Bible. I mean, he just was very, very dedicated to what he knew he was called to. And this is what he kind of says to Timothy. I might have got stuck there. Thank you. This is what he says to Timothy about his life. As he's reflecting on his life, as he's coming to the end of his life, he says about... In the- in the presence of God and in Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearance and his kingdom, I give you this charge, Timothy. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn from the, their ears away from the truth and turn aside the myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Now, I want to kind of pause here. It's really important to notice that Timothy had the same kind of mission and calling that Paul did. And there's a reason that they were so connected to each other. Paul saw in himself a younger version that he wanted to pass things on to. Paul knew what his mission was. He was an evangelist, and he was a preacher. 
And he knew these two things to be core about himself. So he sees young kind of preacher evangelist Timothy, and what's he say to him? He kind of highlights a few things. I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Timothy, you are a preacher. Be a preacher. Don't take seasons off of this. Do what you were called to do. Do it in all these different various forms. Be the one who encourages, who corrects, who challenges people. Do it with great patience and careful instruction. Timothy, get good at preaching because you're called to do this. Well, see, he goes on to say else to Timothy. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge the duties of your ministry. What's he talking about right here? Evangelism and discipleship, basically. Pass on the duties of your ministry and go to places that don't have the gospel because you're like me and I'm so glad I did what I was called to do in life. Be like me. Live out those things that you know you're called to. You'll regret it if you don't. You'll regret it if you don't. And he kind of says this, and this is Paul reflecting on his own life as he comes to the end. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which is the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I want to be this when I am at the end of my life. I did what I was called to do. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I'm passing on to young people, do those things so I can look back with joy and say, I got to participate in it. You go and do the same. Is this not like a hallmark of what we kind of want to aim our lives for? God, so it raises the question, like, what did you build me for? Because I want to sit back there and look at these things and say, yes, what I was called for, I did. To live on purpose requires a few things. For one, you need to know who you are. You need to know who you are. And that's way easier said than done, isn't it? Like, you know, there's a, there a loaded and complex thought, a lot of voices for, compete for the space of telling us who we are. You will have tons of voices in your life communicating to you who you are. And it's going to be, the hardest thing is going to be learning how to sift through those voices to get to the reality of the true message of who did God make you to be. And part of that starts with this. Which voices do I listen to? I can't know who I am until I know whose I am. Guys, I, I say this because it's going to start here. It starts with a journey between you and God. And I'm going to give you a lot of practical things to put on top of that, to kind of dress that up. But this is the core piece of it. You need to go on a journey with God as to learn to listen to his voice as he speaks to you about how he built you and why he built you. Because he had a very special vision in mind when he put you on earth. Now, and I don't mean by that that you were definitely called to be a pastor. You were definitely called to be a UPS driver. You were definitely, I don't mean about vocation. I mean, he built you very specifically because he loves the way he built you. And you could do whatever job you want with that, but he wants you to be in tune with how he wired you. Here's the voice of, our, of, of someone who knows us intimately. This is, this is from the Psalms. Lord, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. 
Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. It goes on later in the psalm to say this, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Guys, you are intimately known. You are so known. You might struggle to know who you are, but God has no doubt who you are because he carefully crafted and put you together on purpose. This is the God who made us. So I'm inviting you, go on a journey of walking intimately with this God and have him speak to you about who you are because no one knows it more than him, not even yourself. You don't know who you are like God knows who you are. So go on this journey with him. Learning who you are is a journey you go on with the one who knows you so intimately. And it's a special journey to hear him speak those truths over your life and allow him to kind of speak in that way. With that, you need to know how you are built. And here's where some of personality and passion and things like that start to come out. Once you start to kind of figure out and allow God's voice to kind of speak through your life, then you start to realize things about yourself. Certain things start to have synergy to them. They start to kind of come up again and again. You realize certain things. This is where you start to take Enneagram tests, right? This is where you do strengths finders books. And you start to say, yeah, I am good at that. Yeah, I do like that. Maybe God built me that way on purpose, right? What makes me come alive is a really important question. What makes you come alive? Like when you do something, you say, man, I was built for this. Have you ever had a moment like that? You know, I, I feel like um, one of my passions in life is like investing in like men's ministry. And you guys, anybody who's been in a men's ministry thing with me, you know that's like a deep passion of mine. But there are moments where I'm just doing this and like we were gathering and having some kind of conversation the other night and we kind of left and I was like, man, this just feels right and good. I was built for this. Like I know this makes me come alive when we have these nights like this. You know, what do I have immense success when I participate in? I'll be honest, part of how I even knew that I was called to ministry is because God blessed me enough to have me, give me a lot of early on success. Then I went through a lot of disappointment, <laughs> right? But he gave me that in the beginning because he helped me realize, yep, there's something that comes on fire when I'm a part of it. And he allowed me to kind of realize I'm called to ministry in this way, right? Like, what do you have immense success when you participate in? There are things that you do that other people labor at for like an hour, and you can come in and do it in five minutes, and you do it better than that person did in an hour. Anybody who's ever worked on my house in any capacity can say that is very true about whatever I tried to jerry-rig, and they fixed within five minutes. Like, that is absolutely reality. There are things that you are good at that other people just don't, they don't have that ability. What are things that you just feel massive success when you participate in? Who, are, who do trusted people affirm is true about you? What do trusted people affirm that is true about you? Is there synergy around those things? It was really, really fun. We were about five guys who got together the other night, and one guy's really been wrestling with like, what he's built to do. I mean, he's been posing this question to the group, and I, I mean, with this kind of sermon, these thoughts in mind, I asked him to go home and kind of like, think about these questions and to nail what are the things that you feel like you're good at or you have energy about. He starts listing them and he had, we had several other guys in the group email him things that we thought and we had not shared them yet until he had made his own list and we're reading out almost line for line things that he thought were maybe true about himself. 
Like, do you feel like there might be some synergy around this? Do you think maybe God built you that way on purpose? Like, we see it, and you're starting to feel it. Whatever your life looks like, these are pieces that need to be a part of it. There's synergy around those things. Who do trusted people say that's true about you? Here's another question. What do you want to be remembered for? What matters most to you in life? When you get to the end of your life, what do you want to say, man, this was something I participated in, and I'm so glad that I did. I want to be remembered for my role in that. I'm giving lots of just kind of crazy examples, but, you know, it's been awesome to watch um, Rhonda become the executive director of Araminta Freedom Initiative, which is such an incredible mission. But I remember very vividly, I had the privilege of being one of the founders of that organization, and I have not done nearly the amount of work that other people have since then. But I remember being in that moment and be like, when I get to the end of my life, this is going to be something I'm so proud that I helped participate in. That God, this is, I want this somewhere on that line of like, this is what mattered in my life. And there's things that we participated in. There's things that we think about that we say, yep, that needs to be a hallmark of what I'm remembered for. That might tell you something about what you value. And it's important to kind of figure out what we value most in life. You know, um, this idea of unifying principles was brought to me when I was a 20-year-old kid. And I'm forever grateful for it. I was sitting in a Young Life meeting and someone said, what are core principles that you want to be guideposts to your life. And they said, you can change these in the future. Maybe every five years you should revisit these. But these, they, they were, the challenge was to create a grid that would help us to think through how we make decisions in life. And as a 20-year-old kid, I wrote some things that I'm going to share with you in a second. But here's what unifying principles are. These unifying principles should be the foundation for what decisions we make, especially how we use our time. Most of the time, we just are not focused on the most important principles in our lives. These principles can help us focus our time and energy on what is most important. What I, so here was the unifying principles I wrote as a 20-year-old kid. And I still, I didn't have to look them up. I remember them. I think about them all the time. This first one seems pretty basic, right? I'm a child of God. That's pretty, maybe that's obvious. It wasn't obvious to me as a 20-year-old kid. I was struggling with identity issues. I was struggling with like feeling like I, self-worth issues. I was really, really struggling. And I needed somebody to say to me on a regular basis who I was and what my identity was. And I needed that to be a core value that I would remind myself of. And I put scripture around that, and I put those scriptures on my wall. And when I was struggling, I was like, I'm a child of God, and I know I'm a child of God. This was a core linchpin for me to be able to function in who I was wired to be, is that I had to be reminded of that on a regular basis. And everything had to go through that grid of, if I'm a child of God, does this fit in my life or not? Another thing that I realized was true about myself is that I was feeling all kinds of pressure about how much time and energy do I give to everyone because I felt like I wanted to give so much to the world and I felt this challenge. I'm a friend to many and a brother to a few. I can do some things for a lot of people, but I can only give like, my whole heart and myself to a few people and I need to figure out where that line is. But I need to be a deep brother to a few and I need to be open to helping anyone else on whatever level I'm able to give. But there had to be a line in there. Guys, does these things look like they might resonate to what you know about me now? I wrote that as a 20-year-old kid, and I didn't know what it meant. I was not setting out to be a pastor, but I felt like, man, I'm a teacher and a disciple, and I knew that God had laid that on my heart. I liked when I got to teach somebody something, and I liked when I got to mentor somebody. And that's all I was kind of doing as a 20-year-old kid was like investing. In, I was serving as a youth minister in high school with high school kids, and I loved getting to sit with high school kids and talk to them about life. I love getting to share a little bit down the road, and I had very little more, very little of more experience than they did about anything in life. But I love getting to sit with them and talk to them about Jesus and set a plan and kind of walk through this life together and process what was going on in their high school worlds. And the girl who was not paying attention to them, like, yeah, I can relate to that, <laughs> right? So like, there was all kinds of things that I loved about that, and I came alive in those moments. 
And I had a feeling that this is going to mark my life. And now I don't know that I'll always be a pastor. I don't know that I'll be doing this in 20 years. But I do know this. These things should always be a part of my life, whether it's a part of my vocation or not. Because I will start to feel empty and depleted if I am not giving my life away in some kind of capacity where I can pour into others and to teach. This is because the Lord wired me this way. And when you start to realize how you're wired, you realize what will make you come alive in your life. And the things that make me come alive as I get to the end of my life, what are the things I'm going to be most proud of? Well, my role at Horizon Church will be something I'm extremely proud of in my life because I was living out what I was meant to do in that capacity. Now, I'm an evangelist. You know, I care about people knowing Jesus Christ. And this reminds me, every time I'm too wired in church work, that part of my heart has to be outside these walls. I care about the people who aren't here yet. And anytime, and this is kind of, it's something that as I'm wired, it's helped the church remind ourselves that there's a bigger world out there and that we need to care about this. When I decided to become an Uber driver for a short period of time, part of it was financially motivated because I, we I was making money to try to like pay for our wedding. We were going to get married and we were, had a big wedding bill coming up. And I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I need some extra cash for this. So I would go out and Uber at night. But here's what happened. I started feeling like alive because I was having conversations with strangers who did not know Jesus. And that how often that came up was just amazing. There was a, it, it synergized with what I loved because it was bringing something out of me and reminding me, this has to be a part of your life. doesn't matter what else you're doing. This has to be a part of your life. Here's something that was added to my life just recently. I've become a husband. And it changes the grid, doesn't it? It changes the grid of how I look at my life and the decisions I make. It's a core factor. Someday I may be a father, and it will change the grid again. But guys, we need grids to look at to say, does this, does this resonate with who I am built to be? Who are you built to be? What are your core principles? How do you make decisions about something? When people are kind of wrestling between jobs and they don't have any grid to put it through, my heart goes out to them because this is all I know how to make decisions about is through a grid. The cool thing was the I'm an evangelist and I'm a husband both factored into that Uber decision, right? I was paying for a wedding and I was serving the Lord in a different way than I kind of knew. It was a fun journey for me. So unifying principles. Here's how you do them. Make an I am or I will statement. Start with a longer list. Make a list of 15. Don't stay at 15, but make a list of this is who I am or this is what I will do. This is what I want to be with my life. They should be clearly stated principles. You'll notice mine are not super elaborate. They are clearly stated principles that I know that the Lord has called me to. And, and you know what? If you only know like one or two that you can rest your hat on, start with one or two and start going on a journey, asking the Lord, who am I built to be? Who do other people say that this resonates with who I am? Choose the most important ones. Is it worthy of being considered core to who I am? You might have a list of 20 things, and that's great. What are the core ones? What are the ones that are at the depth of who you are wired to be? Base them in scripture. If you were to find my unifying principles sheet, which I actually couldn't find. I've remembered the floor, but I couldn't find it. I know I have it somewhere. I've been packing. <laughs> and like, like uh, there's scripture around it and action plans around it. Short-term and long-term goals can be based out of these things. Guys, you can start to live intentionally about what you want to do with these things. When I, you know, we're going to talk about goal setting in a second. But when I'm setting goals... And I set goals every year. I make like three to four goals that I chase after every year. At least one of them makes me better in an area that the Lord has called me to be. Every year, every year I try to get better at what the Lord has called me to be because what I want to be remembered for is to be good at what the talents, to be good with the talents that the Lord gave me. 
So who are you and what are you here to do are kind of core questions when you try to live on purpose. But once you know who you are and what you're about, the journey isn't over. It doesn't solve, start, it doesn't end there. It kind of opens up this journey to kind of get better at some of these things. Be a person who sets goals and reaches them. Live intentionally. What does this look like? Well, like, who is deciding the goals? First of all, submit them to the Lord as much as you are able and understand. Um, a lot of you guys have been in, a, in the men's group with me where I've kind of taken you through a two-year process. And a lot of you have gone with me. And we would go to Annapolis Rocks and we'd sit on the rocks and we'd take three hours alone on the rocks and there was one question that we're supposed to ask. God, how do you want me to grow up this year? How do you want to father me this year? And we'd sit out there and we'd come back with a list and then we'd like hike and talk about our list and we'd try to pare down our list. But the, the practice, the goal of this was to be let the Lord direct our steps in how we want to grow. How do you want to grow this year? Ask this question, Lord, how do you want me to grow this year? It could be grow up in something. It could be grow to, from good to great in something. But how do you want me to grow this year? I would get really good at practicing asking the Lord that question. Let him guide your steps of who he is building you to be. And as much as you were able to understand how he guides you, 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 you let him lead that. But, you know, how we grow, how we set goals, how we make them is this. It, it, this is from Dallas Willard. It's called Vision, Vim. Vision, intention, means. You need a picture of what you're trying to attain. For me, when I kind of thought about things that I wanted to be, I needed to see somebody who was living out that thing well. So say you want to become better at budgeting. You want to be better with your finances. Just saying better at finances is very nebulous. For, for me, what was really helpful was like, I want to be like, that person because they manage their money really, really well and they seem to know what they're doing. I want to have a picture for that. So a lot of times it meant having a conversation with that person because I want to know how did you get good at your finances? And they think about it because they did it so naturally and so long ago that they have to actually go back to the beginning. And the, but they, they end up being a great teacher. Having a picture of what you want your life to look like. Let me give you an example. To say like, I want to learn Spanish is like a nice idea but you need to have a picture for what your life would look like with Spanish in it. Like, who lives their life as a bilingual person that you want to emulate? What's the picture that you're trying to attain? Having a good picture, a clear picture of what you want your life to be, is the motivation for you actually to move towards that goal. Have a clear picture of what you want your life to be with that goal in it. And then in that, you need to, you need to actually want to change. Yeah, you know, a lot of times we're at this place where we're like, man, I want to be different but I don't really want to put in the work to be different. And that's just an honest place to start. So it might be if you're in that place to say to God, God, I want to be disciplined in these areas of my life. I want to be a person who kind of builds a schedule and keeps it, who's reliable for other people. But I don't actually want to do the work. So please change my heart to become the person who wants to change. Because I see the picture. I see what it would look like if I was actually reliable and came through and I kept my schedule and I was that kind of person. But I need your guidance to get there. Intention. And then the final thing is means. You need actionable steps that will lead to change. What are actionable steps that will lead to change? Well, definable goals, right? Like make practical, attainable steps. Look for someone to mentor you along the way or a way that you are going to learn. It could be a book. It could be going through like an online course. But what is a way that you're actually going to learn this thing that you want to get better at? It's always nice to work on something with other people. When you have other people going through this, this with you, it's one of the things like in our men's group, we try to set goals and we kind of talk about it with the guys in our small groups. And I will, I will warn you, if you ask Homestar to hold you accountable to these things, he will always ask you about it. And part of probably why I've changed is because like, he doesn't leave me alone. He makes sure I change. Uh, have people who badger you a little bit say, hey, did you make any progress? I didn't this month. 
Dang it. All right, next month, I'm going to have something so I'm not embarrassed when Homestar asks me. I'm going to make it step on this. It's going to happen. You know? you know, one of my first goals when I did this was improve as a speaker. I wanted to get better. I felt like the Lord had given me a talent and a gift, and I just didn't know how to get better at it. So here's an example of how I did this. I set apart several books about speaking that I read that year. I took every opportunity to speak in different situations because a mentor said, every time you get asked to speak this year, say yes. You want to get better? Say yes. I'm like, ah, oh, I hate speaking other places. Right? So like, I spoke on retreats that year. I spoke at different functions. It was stretching. It was challenging. It was humbling. And at the end of it, I didn't want to say yes to things anymore because I felt like it was hard for me. And then the other thing, the hardest thing that I did in this was I asked for a mentor to give me feedback. I asked for two people to give me feedback. One was Mark, and Mark is great at speaking, and he has a great eyes for it, and he's not worried about your feelings. <laughs> you might know this about Mark. He, he did not spare me my feelings that year. It was a tough year. Every Monday morning meeting after the sermon, I was like, so what'd you think? <laughs> he said, well, this was good. Here's what you should probably work on. No, he, he, he gave really good feedback, both positive and then I recorded my messages because it was before we had like an online way of doing this and I put them on CD and I gave them to Pat Goodman and I asked him to give me feedback and he was really honest. Guys, it was a hard year. I don't, I'm thin-skinned. <laughs> it was not fun for me. I feel like I got better. The Lord raised me in, as a speaker in a powerful way. And then I got to the end of that year and I said, Lord, what else do you want to grow me in? Because I'm not, I'm not finished. I'm probably going to circle back to speaking again because I probably need to take another leap. But I worked on small group leadership. I worked on these other things. I wanted to be a better discipler. How do I become a better discipler? I wanted to get better at money. How did I get better at money? Guys, like, this is how we start to like, change in these ways. An example of that is learning about money. I, I did this this last year. I said, I feel like I'm pretty good at budgeting, but I think there's layers to this. So I read several books. I had five conversations with people that I considered to be more financially wise than me. And a lot of times they didn't know me very well. I called them and I said, hey, do you think I could pick your brain for about 20 minutes? I just have a lot of questions about financial investing and like in retirement plans because I don't know much about it. You know what? Most people are like, yeah, that, I'd love to help you in that way. And then I opened a different retirement. We had a retirement account for our church, but I wanted to learn how to be intentional about another one. Guys, this is life practical things. How you change is by making decisions and following through on them. Transformation happens this way, step by step, decision by decision, goal by goal. We start to become intentionally the person that the Lord has called us to be. You know, Mark did this great grid, and he did this awesome job talking about the events and how powerfully transformational they are, and they are. But you know what? The process in between is not just happen accidentally. We can, we can let the current carry us somewhere else, or we can become the person to say, I'm going to choose to kind of grow step by step, day by day, and move in this process. Now, you're not going to win every day. <laughs> But if you win some days, it's progress, right? Because I think otherwise I let years go by and nothing changes in my life. And I don't want to be a person who's being moved by the current to wherever it takes me. I want to be a person who's pursuing a goal and moving that direction. We end up growing into who the Lord created us to be this way. We end up growing into who the Lord created us to be. And when you have these guiding principles of this, I know this is who the Lord called me to be, it's going to help you look back and say, that's how I became this person that the Lord has called me to be. When you prioritize the most important things in life, the urgent things will fill in around it. You know, like, urgent things still come up. The key is that you actually carve out time to say, this is what's most important, and I'm going to do it even when life gets hectic. You know, it's funny, like, um, Kira and I are moving right now. Moving kind of has, like, 
an event to that, right? Like you realize that as busy as life gets, if we don't put these things in boxes and get them over, we're, we're not going to move. <laughs> like it's literally not going to happen and we're going to get evicted from this house that we're supposed to be out of. But like it's this reality, like other things find their space. When we make the kind of crucial decisions to kind of get on top of the things that we need to, we find time for everything else. But if I just did everything else first and then tried to pack with what energy I had left at the end of the day, I don't know that we would move. We'd probably just get booted from the house in a week. But you realize when you actually prioritize the important things, we we can reorient a lot and other things find their place. Other things find their place. You're going to be different with every year that goes by. Do you want to be different in an intentional way or in a haphazard way? You're going to change. You're going to grow. I would rather grow intentionally. I'd rather hear from the Lord and move on purpose to where I'm going than just kind of end up where I end up. Last thing from Paul. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul, who from our standards had it all together, never stopped striving towards his goals of what the Lord had called him to, to becoming the man that the Lord had called him to be. Just a few questions for you before the worship team comes back up. Are you convinced of whose you are? If you're not, it starts right there. It starts with that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are not allowing the Lord to speak truth over your life, you're going to kind of be guided in a very haphazard way the rest of the way. Do you know what your core unifying principles are? Guys, I would challenge you to try to write some down. Make, Make a list of I am and I will statements. You know, and like, If you are having a really hard time sorting through that, really commit some time to prayer. Pick one or two that you feel like, this is definitely a piece of who I am. And then pray about what else else is there. Like, Lord, show me who I am. Have conversations with people. Ask them to speak truth into your life. What are some guiding principles that will help you figure out where you're called to be in life? And finally, what is one goal that you want to go after? What's one goal? And I would challenge you to write the goal. And then write some steps of what you're going to do to kind of reach that goal. And have somebody ask you about it on a regular basis. Little by little, my life is forever different because every year I kind of set goals and I have people hold me to them. And I look a little bit different at the end of that year than I did before. And and it's not like I've gotten everything figured out, but I feel like my life is a little bit more intentional. And it's becoming a little bit more of what I want it to become because I'm allowed the Lord to set goals for me. And I'm having people challenge me to hold me to them. And I don't succeed at every goal. But it's been an awesome process, and I would challenge everybody to kind of be a part of that. If you have questions, you can text them to my phone today. Mark's out of town. And as the worship team comes back up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us. But this is a prayer Sunday. So during the worship song or after the, after the service, you can head right down this hallway and into the prayer room, and there will be people who would love to pray for you. Just, and it can be about anything that you're, maybe you're feeling like you don't know who you are this morning. Maybe you're feeling like you've got some kind of physical pain or whatever you need prayer for. Right down the hallway, people would love to pray for you. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you that you are so intentional with us. Lord, you did not create us haphazardly. You had a vision. And Lord, you created us exactly the way that we are on purpose. Lord, I I know there's people who probably need to hear that this morning. They were built exactly the way you meant for them to be built. Lord, you designed them. You knit them together. You created who they are on purpose. And Lord, you love what you created I pray that we would just come more and more into realization of how you've wired us and why you've wired us that way, and that we've learned to walk step in step with you to live out of who you've built us to be. 
Lord, I am so grateful that I had someone challenge me on some of these things when I was younger, and I pray that you would continue to challenge me on this, and I pray for everyone in this room that we would be intentional people about our lives, that we'd be living on purpose. Lord, thank you so much that you have a purpose for us in life and that you call us to follow you in it. In Jesus' name, amen.